Welcome to Dig It. This is the speaker. I'm here with my co-host, The Sharp Edge, and Corey Lynn of Corey's Digs. How are you girls doing? Hey, doing good. How are you? I'm pretty good. It's cold. I've got my cup of tea. Ready to go? This cup of tea. I'm doing great. <laughs> I got my cup of coffee, decaf, cup of coffee. unfortunately. I got, I got black tea with honey. I got water. Mm-hmm. You got water? Uh, Well, what are we talking about today, kids? We're going to talk a little bit about Phil Haney, uh, Trump's trip to India, Weinstein, a bit of the coronavirus, a bit about the Dem debates, Nygaard, Corey's book. Uh, What what else am I missing there? I got a little tobacco bill I want to mention, too. I don't think people are aware of. Resignations. Oh, yeah, resignations, too. Yeah, so let's start. I'll just roll it out with uh, Weinstein, which definitely is setting a precedent here. Although we do have, I was thinking about that when I was jotting down a few notes. We do have Cosby, Bill Cosby. I mean, that kind of, you know, set a little precedent as well. But this one was pretty big, sending a pretty big message to uh, Hollywood. And so basically... Weinstein was just convicted of committing a criminal sexual act in the first degree against Miriam Haley and rape in the third degree against Jessica Mann. So the the one count of criminal sexual act in the first degree carries a minimum sentence of five years in prison and a maximum of 25, and rape in the third degree carries a minimum probation and maximum of four years. So he was acquitted on the most serious charge of uh, predatory sexual assault, which is kind of comical um and so he's basically facing five to 25 years right now the sentencing is march 11th but he still has a case going on in los angeles where he's facing felony charges of forcible rape forcible oral copulation sexual penetration by use of force and sexual battery by restraint god did i have to say all that can we just say he's facing a bunch of sexual charges in los angeles (laughs) We could have, but you went into it. And yet it says, so he has, it's reported that he has not yet turned himself in or been arraigned on the California charges yet. There's also more than a hundred women have publicly accused Weinstein of a range of actions um, from unwanted sexual advances, advances to rape. But then there's like this bankruptcy court in Delaware that's been handling a settlement, including multiple plaintiffs, including the uh, state of New York, several of Weinstein's accusers and creditors. So there's all that. So this guy basically has a lot of stuff going on. And as he's putting handcuffs and headed off to Rikers, he is immediately having chest pains and heart palpitations. And so they rush him over to Bellevue Hospital, which is where he still is, I believe, at least as of uh, last night. And so Weinstein's rep explained that the Department of Corrections chooses where to place him because there's all this concern about after what happened to Epstein, is he going to be suicided as well? Do we put him in the north end of Rikers? Do we put him, you know, alone? Do we put cameras on his cell? And uh, meanwhile, he's, he's on 10 medications. Apparently, he had back surgery. Okay. And so they, I think what it is, is like they can't just release him from the hospital and move him over to Rikers right away because they have to have some, uh, like a doctor kind of monitor him. So I don't know if he'd go over to the 
you know, the health area within Rikers or how that's going to work. But his sentencing is March 11th. So we're definitely keeping our eyes out on that. And I've seen a lot of people saying that, um, you know, he's going to be suicided. Honestly, this guy is so scared right now. I mean, imagine coming from his world where he gets away with everything and anything and people just look up to him like a god, mainly because they fear him. And having to go to Rikers and knowing that you could be doing 25 years, this dude is terrified. If anything, I think he'd take his own life. I don't think he could handle this. Mm, That's a possibility. I heard his attorneys talking or at least one of them talking about how they want to appeal it. They feel strongly about appealing it and so forth. So I don't know, considering he may still think that he has a chance. Apparently he was in shock when they announced the verdict and said, how does this happen in America? Good grief, dude. Oh, really? Is that what he said? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right, man. Yeah. (laughs) So, and then... Then we have, you know, resignations the very next day. And we have Bob, is it Iger? Yeah. So the CEO of uh, Walt Disney Company, Bob Iger, stepped down effective immediately. That was unexpected. He had a contract out through December 2021. And the timing is definitely interesting considering the connection there with uh, Weinstein, but he, um, Iger is assuming a role as the executive chairman. So he's not completely gone, but he has stepped down from the CEO position. And that is interesting. But I did want to mention um, another resignation that just went under the radar last week. So the co-founder of CrowdStrike, Dmitry Alperovich, stepped down uh, last week. He announced it himself on Twitter. Um, Hmm. I haven't seen a whole lot of press on it, but yeah, he did announce that. And I thought the timing on that was very interesting considering the spotlight being shined um, on CrowdStrike as of lately. So um, definitely see some things maybe coming down the pike for them. And perhaps Dmitry Alperovich was abandoning ship before that happens. Right. So, and, then, and also the CEO of MasterCard, I believe, and I think Salesforce, although I think Salesforce may have been something that was coming. It wasn't like, you know, it just happened to be announced at that timing. But, and then with, with um, Iger, CEO of Disney, though, I mean, there were, I know I haven't, none of us have really had time to dig into this, but I believe there is connections to Weinstein there because I know Disney was affiliated with Weinstein and his companies and whatnot. So, so that's kind of why every, I think it gave everyone a little pause with the timing of it being very coincidental. Right. Yes. There is some connection there with Disney and with Miramax. And I think particularly with one specific lawsuit, which included the both of them, of one individual by the name of Paz de la Huerta. So mm-hmm. yeah, she was a, a child actor who, who um, has filed a lawsuit. So. All these predators, and they love their mm. islands. They do. Yeah. Nygaard. I'll let you roll on that one, Edge. Peter Nygaard, he's like the Canadian, Finnish-Canadian Epstein. So this is Epstein 2.0. So Peter Nygaard, he's this Finnish-Canadian fashion industry exec who made hundreds of millions of dollars in the women's clothing industry. Now, who does that kind of remind you of? 
That reminds me of Les Wexner. And it makes me really curious how these people make hundreds of millions of dollars on women's clothing. It just seems like maybe they have a side hustle, but that's just my me reading between the lines because oh, they're ultra, ultra rich. Just to interject real quick, I looked at his, you know, little, I think it's called Nygaard K off the, the Bahamas there. And it's kind of like out on the tip and I'm looking at it and I'm looking over at Epstein's and I'm looking at Gates, I'm looking at Branson's and then I'm looking at, you know, Florida and the whole drug trafficking route. I mean, aside from it being a child trafficking route, potential drug trafficking as well. Oh yeah, the keys are well known for that. <laughs> so Nygaard Key, he has this this island called Nygaard Key, and it, it's like a pedo island, just like Epstein. So there's this class action lawsuit that was filed February 13th of 2020, and in this class action lawsuit, it alleges that these parties that Nygaard hosted at his island, which were called pamper parties. Uh, that Nygaard's company would hire these young girls as like models and brand representatives. And they would lure these young girls to the island for these parties with promises of, you know, getting signed and meeting, you know, high profile people and kind of networking. But really it was sex trafficking. Uh, it was a sex trafficking operation that Nygaard's company was involved in. Um, Nygaard's company was involved in keeping a database of these girls. They were involved in recruiting these girls, getting them to the island. So it was just this whole sex trafficking operation that this lawsuit alleges. And some of the girls were as young as 14. They would lure them to this island with these parties. Some of these girls were drugged. They were raped. Nygaard was into some really sick stuff. I can't even get into the details, but you could read the lawsuit. Uh, It's just gross. But they would be threatened. Sometimes their passports would be taken from them. If they tried to leave, the Bahamian police would threaten them. Uh, The the Bahamian police were paid off by Nygaard and oftentimes were partying there on the island with him. Of course Um, they were. Yeah. How many, how many times have we said this, this, the powers that be people in positions of powers being involved in this type of stuff. It's disgusting. And how many more of there is there? Like, you know, how many more people like this? Yeah. And, and it wasn't a secret. I mean, this guy loved to host parties. He loved to have celebrities there. It seems like another Epstein scenario where it's like this. Oprah didn't Oprah do a little show on it, just like she does with all of these people. Yep, Oprah did a show on it. He's hosted. He said in his own words, most of the famous movie stars, but he's listed Sean Connery and Robert De Niro specifically. He's hosted politicians, specifically George Bush Senior, probably others. He's hosted rappers basketball players. And he even mentioned in an interview that he ho- he's hosted church leaders. Now, I'm not saying that every single one of these people were aware of these pamper parties and what it was right. really about, but it does look like an Epstein type of scenario where there's really one function of going to these parties and to this island and everybody kind of knows it. It's one of those like secrets that's not really a secret. 
unspoken. <laughs> yeah. and, and that video, I was watching the, I think you posted it. I retweeted your video of the island. It was like a little two minute micro mini interview and they were like panning, you know, across it. And I'm thinking, God, was Fantasy Island filmed there? I mean, doesn't that look like Fantasy Island? Okay, can I just say something? Yes, that island, he, he was bragging about in that clip, he's bragging about how he loves architecture and how he was the one who designed the whole thing. And he was bragging about how beautiful it was. Yeah. And it was just so gaudy. But yes, you ha- I mean, the, 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 the Mayan symbolism throughout the entire architecture is so in your face. So it's a lot of symbolism going on there, which people keep pointing to. And I don't, you can't really deny it. But also, can I just mention something? This <laughs> mm-hmm. have you ever seen um, Austin Powers Gold Member? Of course. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I saw that or not. Nygaard reminds me of Gold Member. <laughs> he's just like this creepy Finnish dude. Uh, he's just so creepy. He is. He he's really gold. Is. <laughs> gold Member was funny, man. He really is, and you know. This whole island thing, so I know you guys know, and I won't, I won't talk too long on this, because um, I know a lot of people that listen have probably already read this report or are familiar with it, but two years ago, as of April, it will be two years since I did that four-part report on the islands with Clintons and Branson, and just because it had huge red flags for me when I mapped it out, and I knew that there were other nefarious things going on. And basically we've got, I mean, part four, if you're looking for a list of names and organizations and people involved in all of this, go to part four. But if you want to understand the timeline, how this evolved and all the people funding it and da, 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 start at part one. It's called Shipwrecked on 10 Islands with Clintons and Branson. And, you know, Bill Gates owns an island off the coast of Belize and Leonardo DiCaprio owns one right next to him. And then of course you got Branson. Necker Island and well he's he's got I think he has a couple islands. Anyway, then of course there's Epstein. These people mm, what they're doing on these they're up to over 20 islands. They're getting they're getting funding from various governments including Norway. And um they started out with this pilot program saying that it was about installing solar farms and whatnot. And and you know, these governments, they go in there, they meet with the people that are in charge of the islands and the government officials. And they say, Hey, look, we're going to, we're going to hook you guys up. We are going to outfit all of your political buildings, your establishment, you know, for us, it would be like the whole white house capital area. And we're going to hook you up with a whole solar energy and for free, they're doing this for free. And then they establish the solar farms that they get funding for. And I'm like, okay, so what's underground these solar farms? I mean, I think people know me well enough to know by my reports, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I'm really good at finding conspiracies that are really happening. And I'm telling you, there's something going on like way deeper than this. So then as time rolls on, they decide they're going to get into all of the tourism industries out there. There's organizations that are like in charge of that. They totally hijacked it. We're talking, we're talking um, Bill Gates, obviously very involved in this, and the Clintons, and Branson, and Soros, and Zuckerberg, Mike Bloomberg. There's a whole bunch of them involved in this. And it's the tourism 
under the guise of, you know, climate change and sustainability and they're focusing on infrastructure. And well, Bill Gates is already heavily invested. He owns over a hundred hotels. So the hotel industry is huge with child trafficking. And the islands, as we're seeing, oh, we got Nixium too off of, uh, was it Fiji? Yeah, I think so. Weren't, weren't they hooked in off of Fiji there on an island? So it's very alarming. And I'm just, I'm bringing this up because I want people to keep their eyes on it and pay attention to what's happening on all those islands along the Caribbean out there because there's something going on Most much definitely. bigger than what they are claiming is going on. Never, never trust a rich person with an island. <laughs> that's, that's, that's my philosophy. I need to give this quick update, too, because this is important. So on the 25th, the FBI raided Nygaard's headquarters in New York. And according to, official, to officials, Nygaard has been under investigation for at least five months by a joint child exploitation task force of the FBI and the NYPD based on that lawsuit of those four women who accused Nygaard of sexual assault when they were, some of them were between 14 and 15. I'm going to have to read this lawsuit. I haven't had, I haven't had two seconds to look into this yet. And then one other thing I want to mention that's a comparison to Epstein that I've noticed in some of my research is that he was into the transhumanism stuff too, specifically with stem cell research. And he hired his own people to uh, look into stem cell research and the aging process. He swore by it, their discoveries that they had made him look so much younger. Looking at him, I I don't know. I think (laughs) How old is he? (laughs) I think he's like 78 or something. But yeah, he thought he was going to live forever. Again, like like Epstein. So these people, these people. So did you guys get a chance to watch the debates? No, bits and pieces of it. And it was a shit show. <laughs> it, it was. I watched, so well, I missed the first 15 minutes of it because I was thinking it didn't start until an hour later. So, but I watched the rest of it from there. And it was, you know, what was the hardest for me is that for one, the points they were focusing on are just so off from what we need to be focusing on in this country. And I kept just wanting to go <laughs> insert my own question and be like, so how are you going to handle draining the swamp? So it literally just probably 80% at least, if not more, of what came out of their mouths, all of them, were lies. Just lie after lie. Not just lies about Trump, lies about the climate change hoax and Biden and, 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 you know, Steyer and Bloomberg. They're like dried up potato heads. I just, I can't even listen to them. (laughs) They're so out of place there. It's just, it's awkward. And then Bloomberg, he, he's just not very, I don't honestly understand how this man runs businesses. I don't. How did he make so much money? Because he's, he's not, he doesn't, he just doesn't seem very sharp to me. Uh, I mean, he, and he admitted buying 21 seats in the house to the tune of hundred million and putting Pelosi in charge to give Congress the ability to control the president. So he's just, he's not very bright. And uh, Bernie, but every time I look at him, I just, I just want to like draw him up as a cartoon character. He's just like that perfect with his shoulders hunched up and his arms always out. <laughs> and he's always just yelling. Yeah. If I had to pretend I didn't know anything that I know and that I was very naive and I was actually rooting for one of these people, God, 
um, <laughs> myself in a whole different world through a whole different set of eyes, I would probably say that um, I think Bloomberg and Steyer were terrible. I think Buttigieg was, was not so good. He's just not memorable, you know? He, like, I think back... He's an, he's about, an Obama clone. Right, just I know, like, that video's fantastic. That's a great video. That? Yeah, we're going to find that. I'll insert it here. Baron Trump tweeted it. Did he? Week. Yeah. <laughs> good for and, him. With the hashtag repeat. <laughs> we need to we need to make that trend i love it i would say i would say that klobuchar held her own better than she did in the last debate it, there was a lot of a lot of you know yelling and screaming and it, it was like watching first graders on a stage it was just none of these people are going to be able to stand up against trump bernie may draw some crowds he may have people convinced that his socialist communist agenda is the way to go God, I just, I hope that there are, I hope there are youngins out there, <laughs> you know, like college students going around explaining to people like, this is what socialism and communism really is. When Bernie says we're going to get free healthcare for all and we're going to get free colleges and free schooling and free this and that, just know that you're going to be paying over half your salary. Oh, and he wants you to be at minimum wage $15 an hour. So, I mean, and, and how's he going to pay for this? I don't know. Oh, they, watching them like, talk about math was hysterical. <laughs> I know, I know. They kept trying to get him to, uh, to explain how he was going to pay for this. And then they're, they're saying, I think it was Klobuchar that said, it's three t- trillion. <laughs> it was like three times the amount of our entire economy is what he's saying he wants to be able to just like, Give away like, for free, which wouldn't it's be like free. thirty. It's like thirty trillion or something. It's not just. I mean, I know everyone listening to this knows this, so we probably don't need to ramble on about it. But, but what a lot of these naive young individuals don't understand is, not only is it not for free because it's going to come out of your taxes, but they're going to control it now. And and I know, like Bernie said, look, you'll still get to go to your. I think it was Bernie that said this, you'll, you'll still get to go to the same doctor you go to now and that type of thing. But uh, 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 this shit opens the door for all kinds of control. So not, not, not good. And Warren, oh my God, I just can't wait for the day where I don't have to listen to her anymore. She's like the, the whiniest, naggiest, screechiest, just rare. And, and the whole time she kept going after Bloomberg and honestly, it made her look like an ass. It's like, because she got such a power hit in the last debate, you know, and everyone was like, yeah, look at Warren. She took down Bloomberg. She tried that again. And it was an epic fail because that became like her main focus, you know? And then I think she finally realized about halfway through and switched gears, but it was pretty bad. How you sat and watched that. (laughs) Then, of course, Biden had to just show everybody once again how senile he is by claiming that 150 million people have been killed by gun violence since 2007. You know what? I'm so tired of hearing the phrase gun violence instead of crazy people. You know, it's the freaking people. It's not the guns. Yeah. 150 million people, like half the country. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Right. I know. Well, and did he ever get questioned about, about stating that his son was the former United States AG? I don't know if he's ever been confronted about that. How did he say, he said the U S attorney, my son was the U S attorney. 
I forget how he phrased it now, but it was of the United States, which was incorrect. And I almost feel bad for him. I was going to say that. You can't even make fun of this because, I mean, and I don't really like making fun of people so much anyways, but it just... Weekend at Biden's. I mean, really, like, he's just just this corpse (laughs) that they just keep propping up, you know? I mean, the guy really is so low energy. He's not there mentally. I will be surprised if he makes it all the way to the finish line. He gets the ticket. Oh, my God. No, that won't happen. I don't think it would happen either, but you knew that they were, he was the one they were looking for at first in a classical liberal standpoint. I also suspect that Bloomberg probably paid some people to uh, attend this, this whole deal. Cause you, you'd hear people like little groups of people cheering really loud. I'm like, Oh, they're paid for. <laughs> I mean, there's just, he's like a stale piece of bread. I don't understand it. Trying really hard to be Trump. That's the thing, but it's just not good at it. It's terrible. Meanwhile, in India, they pack in, what was it? What was it, Speaker? Like a, over 100,000 people? It was around 100,000 people, but there was like close to millions that would have turned out to see him. Like they expected about 10 million people to welcome him into the country. If you watch any videos and stuff, you saw the people lining the roads. And India is not like Iran, so let's not get them confused. You know, these people were not forced to be there. These people are very happily just there to have a day out and see Trump. <laughs> they're, they're not controlled or you know in any sort of a dictatorship whatsoever that was like the best optics for trump so we know trump lo- loves a rally right he, oh, yeah. he, he's been campaigning since the day he got in office he hasn't stopped campaigning i, I don't think people have kind of noticed that but he hasn't stopped campaigning every rally he goes to everything he does it's just uh on the form for him to be re-elected but yeah it was really good to see it was really funny to see cnn try to cover it they, they were really confused. Like, they were trying to... It's really hard. It's really funny to watch them try to spin it. Really good optics to Trump and really good... They talked about trade deals and arms deals and they've got... The US definitely has a good friend in India. I can't wait to see him debate against Bernie or whoever it's going to be. I just can't wait. He just has a way about him that... Whereas most of these other people get very riled. I mean, you look at Bernie and Warren. Good god they get very riled and very snippety and da 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 and uh trump just totally holds his out there's this like calmness about him you know calm demeanor he 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 revels in it there's no way you can debate trump he's not your typical politician Mm -mm. you know what i mean like he'll poke fun and he'll take the piss and that they don't know how to deal with that right Right. Yeah, like they just don't know how to deal with that. I actually miss him debating. I should go back and watch those videos sometimes because they crack me up. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to that. That's gonna be, that's gonna be so good. Good times. Good times. So what you got, Edge? What's next? Uh, you guys want to talk about Phil Haney? Yeah. What's going on with that? Because I don't know the full full scoop on that really. Okay, so Phil Haney, he was a DHS employee, a Department of Homeland Security employee under the Obama administration. I honestly didn't know who the guy was until last week when he was shot and killed. I I didn't either. But I've been looking into him a lot lately, and it's a really interesting story. So he was actually there on the first day when DHS was created and founded. So he's one of the founding, you know, members. 
and wow. uh, he was brought on to create these lists and track people and groups who had ties to terrorist organizations. And so he says that it all started back in 2008 when the State Department totally switched gears and came down on the DHS, and in particular, his department and Phil Haney himself, because they were taking a totally different approach in dealing with domestic terrorism. There was this internal memo that went around, and it was something called Words Matter Memo. In which it describes this policy that the State Department and the DHS were going to take from now on. And they were no longer going to label these religious organizations that Phil Haney had been targeting to be profiled as terrorist organizations, and stating that it was a violation of these organizations' civil rights. And they didn't want to offend peaceful Muslims. So basically, over the course of about 10 years or so, the last 10 years of his career, Phil Haney was targeted himself, and he was subjected to several investigations designed to intimidate him, silence him, and ultimately get rid of him. But he was exonerated in each and every one of these investigations that they tried to put on him. And the department completely ended up, ended up completely deleting his database of individuals and organizations with ties to terrorism. In the wow. last year of his career, career, while he was under yet another investigation, Bill was stripped of his gun and isolated from the rest of the department as though he was some sort of threat. Now, if you've ever watched an interview of this guy or read any testimonies of friends or family members, he was the sweetest guy. He was a very kind man, a godly man. He loved the Constitution. He had a lot of integrity, and he spoke about these things regularly. So the way they treated him was as though he was some sort of a threat, and they were targeting him and making him the target of investigations rather than the terrorists that he had put on these lists. Wow. And so in the last year of his work for DHS, while he was being un put under this last investigation, his gun was stripped, he was isolated away from other uh, people in his department, he used that time to gather, organize, and archive notes and documents. And then when he left and he retired, he wrote an expose called See Something, Say Nothing. And it talks about his time at the DHS and everything that happened that I just talked about. And so Haney has said that this database that he had worked on while at the DHS, it would have actually prevented the Florida nightclub shooting massacre and San, San Bernardino. But both of those people were affiliated with organizations that he had already put on the list. Wow. And when did that book publish? Do you know? Ah, uh, shoot. I, I want to say it was 2017. Might have been 2016. So he was also planning to release another book this spring. Uh, it was going to be a sequel to the See Something, Say Nothing and he was intentionally releasing it amidst an election cycle. And he has spoken about how he has kept meticulous records 
He even had a thumb drive of important documents that he would hold around his neck on a necklace. And this is mm-hmm. according to Glenn Beck, who was close with him and knew him well. Phil spoke out about how these uh, radical Islamic terrorists used the radical left as cover for their operations. And so I think no doubt that this book that was going to be coming out in spring, it would have damaged Dems to some degree. But if it's supposed to come out this spring, something tells me someone has it and it could still potentially get released. That's true. He was also reportedly um, in talks with high up officials um, to come back to DHS. There seems to be some motives here as to why he was killed. So he was found shot near a highway, which is this main route to Sacramento. And the initial reports from the Ambador County Sheriff's Department stated that it was a self-inflicted gunshot wound. But that was later changed in a letter released on the 24th that the cause of death was still under investigation. Yeah, because someone who's about, you know, worked his tail off to expose all of this for so long and is about to release a book just suddenly changes his mind. Right. Yeah. And and again, like I said, people that know him have talked adamantly about how the man was not suicidal, how, yeah. how very driven he was to continue in this effort and how very faith-based he was, how very strong he was in his faith. And he would never have done something like that, especially considering the fact that the man was planning on getting married. Right. uh, right. The Amador County Sheriff's Department said that the cause of death is still under investigation and that they have submitted documents, phone records, and a laptop obtained at the scene and from Phil's RV. And they've been handed over to the FBI for investigation. So his vehicle was there by the roadside? His vehicle was. First of all, where's this um, thumb drive that was around his neck all the time? Um, did the FBI so collect he certainly that? certainly had a backup of somewhere. He had to have had a backup of that somewhere. Absolutely. And secondly, what kind of information is going to be uncovered from the records, the computer, the phone records? everything that was obtained right Mm. yeah it's a mess it's it's really sad but i hope that i hope that phil haney's mission of exposing this doesn't get buried i hope that it really does uh continue and that we shine more light on this Uh, it's important to know this and obviously someone wants it covered up yep imagine that well, you're you're doing a bit of a, a dig on that, aren't you, Edge? I'm, I started it. I'm working on it, so it should be out soon. Ooh, okay, <laughs> so, so that's our, that's our next dig. Nice, okay. nice. So bring us up to date on coronavirus, Speaker. Ah, coronavirus, coronavirus. What's not to say? Cases worldwide now are up to eighty-one thousand. That's once again Chinese numbers. You know, be careful with them. But that that is. Completely blown SARS and MERS out of the water. The deaths worldwide are nearly at 2,800 now, 2,700 in China. Our countries and territory confirmed cases, at least 44. And the daily number of infections keep uh, climbing. So, like, there's been a lot of tweets going around that, you know, don't be afraid. That I see this, a lot of this from our community. Um, I, th- I think there's a, a big 
difference between being afraid and just being cautious. Especially if you're in the Western world, though, I don't think you've got a lot to worry about. Some countries are handling it better than others. Some countries are handling it really bad. And it's funny, it's mostly the ones that want to keep their borders open. Quite funny, isn't it? Take Russia, for example. Russia has only had like two cases and they were like cured straight away and they haven't had any other problem and they're bordered with China. And there's this huge thing going on in, in Russia that China's trying to, from the Chinese uh, consulate over there, that they're, they're calling Russia uh, their uh, discriminatory measures against Chinese because like they've pretty much shut everything down. But yeah, that's that's pretty funny that Russia's handled it better than anyone else. Well, and isn't there, um, in Iran, I saw this earlier today, trying to remember, they were like running flights and donating masks and whatnot. And so now they have like an an outbreak over there because they kind of handled it quite foolishly. Did I read that right? Yeah, um, I think Iran, yeah, they, they had a 19 deaths in Iran and the cases rose to 140. So yeah. they, they're, they're one of the worst outside China. Keeping the flights um, open. And you know what kills me? So, all right. So, so let's just talk about this for a moment. Let's chat. Like you said, with how some people are saying, don't be scared, and you're saying they should be cautious. And I agree with you. People should, should definitely pay attention and keep you know, up to date on this. I personally feel like there's an extraordinary amount of fear-mongering going on. And when I see that from coming from particular places, that, that raises a red flag for me and, and kind of gives me little clues. This, the fact that these people are repeating what, of course, the CDC said that it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, when. and then we have Eric Holder saying, does anyone think that if there were a, consequential national security economic crisis that this administration has the intellectual capacity and policy acumen to navigate the nation through it the answer frighteningly is no now we have the coronavirus and they have no idea this is eric holder and if that's not the biggest fear-mongering you know what i trust trump with this over any other administration to date of course because, but you also had you also had like san francisco coming out right saying that they're declaring a national emergency or there's a state state emergency anyway um but there's no cases there so that's very right. strange right so they won't do crap for their homeless but give us right. some federal funding because we've got a potential mer- emergency on the horizon because everyone's saying to expect it so these are things that raise red flags for me and just kind of give me, you know, make me take a step back and review everything and, and just like let it simmer for a little bit. Because with these types of epidemics, they typically, like, I believe they typically run their course out, you know, after several months or six months or something to that effect. Uh, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not like this is highly, uh, like, Death rate for the West is not very high. You got a doctor, even if you catch corona, you yeah. got a good chance of surviving it. It's not, yeah. um, it's not extremely deadly in the way of mortality. Of course, it is if 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 you got no doctors, if you're poor and you're on the street, like most of the people in China, um, of course it's deadly. Of course it's, you know what I mean? Like, but like 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 with, with these messages that you're saying with 
Uh, um, it pisses me off a little bit, but not 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 that much. It comes and goes. But like, yes, if you're in the West, don't be afraid. It's there's there probably is an agenda behind it. Can't really tell at the moment. You can't really be a hundred percent about it. But fear is subjective, really. I mean, if you're in China at the moment, and if you're in Wuhan and you can't leave the house, and well, they should be scared. Yeah, they should. They are. But if you're in the West and stuff, just yeah, don't 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 panic. Don't run around the streets, you know, screaming. It's not the end of the world. You'll be fine. And then even in the debate. They kept, several of them kept going on about how, so they bring up the coronavirus and all of them are ranting on and on about how Trump's not handling this well and how, you know, he's defunded the CDC and he's defunded NIH, which is not the case. Sorry. He, he, he may have lowered some certain allocations there for various things, but it's not defunded. At any rate, then you got Biden going, well, the first thing I'd do is I'd go in and give $50 billion to NIH. Well, no shit. Because they're totally corrupt and you'd probably get a slice of the pie. You know, I mean, it's just everything that came out of their mouth. I just, oh, and Trump has handled this quite well. I mean, he, he, you know, he put the stop to the flights on pretty darn quickly there. And yeah, he put his foot uh, down pretty quickly on it compared to the rest of the countries. I mean, if you're looking at Italy at the moment, Italy got hit pretty hard. France has been hit really hard. And these are people that didn't, um, you know, didn't act on it very quickly. Well, right, he can't right. he can't win according to the Democrats. They're going to try to use everything to their advantage. So, right. when he put a stop on flights and on cruise ships coming into the country, uh, everybody on that on the left was saying, "Too soon! What is he doing?" Now it was it was too late. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what was really funny about this debate at the very end? Um, I don't even remember their names, but the CBS panel. One of the gals says says, okay, and that concludes the debate. And the other one says, no, wait, wait, we have time for one more break. And you know what that one more commercial break was? Bloomberg. The new movie, the, what is it? <laughs> the Hunting or The Hunted? I forget. Oh, okay. It's called one of those things with Hillary Swank. And, yeah. and that was the movie last year where we all, when we saw the previews, we just went to town on it, hammering it, saying, oh my God. So then they said they pulled it. Remember in the news, they said they were pulling it. They weren't going to put it out. It got too much backlash. And here it is coming out. Guess when? On Friday the 13th. Mm, Of course. So the hunted was, uh, the preface of it is that they're hunting conservatives. Is that what it was about? The timing was just so perfect. As disturbing as that is, at least they're admitting they're the bad guys and they're hunting people. Mm. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to take a positive out of it. Uh, no, nah, it's, <laughs> right? it's all about projection. They're suggesting the other. Mm. That was all very interesting. Oh, let me tell you guys about this. Just real quick, quick note on this tobacco no. bill. So okay. I was actually alerted to this by my vapor company that I order from. The Vapor Man. The Vapor Man. So <laughs> I order online. Um, as I do most things, because who's got time to go shopping and who wants to deal with that? So I order online and I get this email saying on February 27th, and I haven't been able to lock, like find that date exactly. It's not, it's not showing that in the back end of this bill here, but I didn't have a lot of time to read it. So point is they were alerting me to um, be aware of this bill that's in, they're trying to put through. Uh, tobacco bill because one 
of the requirements in it is to no longer sell tobacco related products online that they can only be sold in a face-to-face -face exchange between a retailer and a consumer in order to prevent the um, sale of distribution to individuals, blah, 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 you know, at a minimum age. And, and I get that. I get that to a certain degree. But do you realize, like, the, my particular one, I don't think they're actually in retail stores. So it's, it's not like I could just have my car and drive over there. I suspect that the online industry for this is quite large. It would, it would be huge. So just letting people know that this bill is in the works right now, if you purchase any of these products online and, oh, let me scroll up so I can tell you what it's called here. It is HR 2339, Reversing the Youth Tobacco Epidemic Act of 2019. I can put the link under the video too. Not pissed happy. You off. That pissed you off. <laughs> that pissed me off a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> stop, stop messing with us. Dang it. <laughs> oh my God. So I also wanted to um, just talk about, so I had a, a short article come out this week and I put out a two hour video on, um, I know it's long. That was massive. It, it is. It's sorry, but I don't do the short and sweet little <laughs> stories and the little nuggets. And because I do deep investigations and I do it for the purposes of providing the evidence so that other people can take that and they can archive it and they can share it. And they've got all the proof right there. So I, I did go over um, chapter three of my book on the USAID's slush fund, but this particular chapter covered the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. So it was, it was 30 pages long and I covered, I traced all the money and got into all the scandals and how this all works. And so in this two hour video, I wanted to break down for people so they understand how the entire healthcare industry is, is ruled by Gates, the UN and other NGOs, but Gates is like the central bank. He's the revolving door to this. And this carries over, this playbook carries over into other industries. And so I wanted to literally take people through this step by step so they get it, so they see the evidence, so there's no doubt. And they can go in and you know download this chapter in PDF format from my bookshop or become a patron and then have free access to it. I have another 20 chapters, 20 plus chapters I'm rolling out on these other NGOs and I'll show the scandals and the money flow and the involvement as well with them. Some of your favorites like the Clintons and Soros and Bono and Oprah and Red Cross and you know, all those children's, children's fund, Catholic relief, they're all going to be in there. But it's so important for people to grasp how this works. And, and I, I took them through the foreign aid showing how back in 2001, we were only shelling out, not only, I mean, my God, it's a lot of money, but $16 billion um, in 2001 for foreign aid. And by the time they passed the global fund in 2002, then all of a sudden HIV AIDS makes it on the board and the numbers just keep ticking up, ticking up. And this is dur during George W. Bush. And then it overlapped into Obama. And 
as it's ticking up, then in 2004, PEPFAR is created and boom, it was like, I want to say by 2007, they were up to like 40 billion a year. And, and so it just kept, it just kept climbing. And then I think it pretty much kept out at around 50, 51, but just this year, our budget this year is 55 billion. So what people need to realize is this is our money. This is our taxpayer dollars. And when it comes to, okay, HIV AIDS in that foreign aid is the second to, listed as the second to third highest as far as funding goes. Totally disproportionate. It's, it's absurd. And over 70% goes to Africa. There's so much corruption. The money's misappropriated. I go on and on about that. But how it works is they are literally paying for the science. Gates is funding all of the reports, so whether it's through George Soros, the Kaiser Foundation, Harvard, um, you know, health institutes, uh, the WHO, who he's paid $3.5 billion to, okay? So these people are providing them. They're basically getting millions and millions of dollars to write up a report that, that justifies, and they actually say this, like, and if you look at his grants, it actually says it in his own words, to influence this or influence that. And basically what they've done is they have influenced all policies. They have created all, all of the priorities. They've prioritized the healthcare industry to take care of and put focus on and money into what they see fit. And they own the freaking government because they basically say, okay, look, we got all the funding. We got the manpower. Let us handle this for you. We'll take care of it. You just funnel us some grants. Boom. It's off your plate. You funnel us. You look the money. You, you look good to the world. Like you're saving all these people, you know, saving lives, millions and millions of lives. And there's no oversight and they're not held accountable because they're all protected nonprofits. The global fund itself is in Geneva with immunities. And so they produce the data, they control the narrative, they get the funding, they prioritize the healthcare industry, they run the freaking show. And they're, they're doing this same thing with the whole climate hoax and energy and gee, they want the Green New Deal. Yeah, because it's, it's a freaking billion trillion dollar industry. So we got to put a stop to it. They got to cut off this damn foreign aid. They got to cut off these NGOs. They got to create a new system of healthcare. Their whole system is to push drugs and vaccines, uh, taking away our natural ability for healing, for health, holistic approaches, nutrition, all of it, all of it is like swept under the rug because these are the people that are funding what they want to fund. And it irks me. <laughs> Good rant, Corey. It irks all of us. The control that they have over it's like a monopoly that they have over the healthcare industry, not just in America, but around the world. You know, you see the influence that the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and not just that, but all of the things that Bill and Melinda Gates are involved in, how much influence that they have on 
you know, vaccinations, on HIV studies and family planning. Family, family planning, planning is their big one that they all are involved in. If you go through and you look at the agendas, the big, big industry money-making agendas that they push, it's the same people always involved and they're getting funding from our freaking government, our money. So we are, we are feeding this unwillingly because we're blackmailed by the IRS. And, and I know that uh, Trump is looking to cut whatever they end up negotiating for next year. He's looking to cut down on foreign aid, but we need to get that way, 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 way down and take care of business over here, in my humble opinion. Because, and they need to do audits and they need to trace these funds. And I don't care if they need to get a damn crew over in Africa, but they need to trace this shit down because there's already people that have been arrested, people in jail. There's missing millions and millions. There's nine and a half billion that was allocated for getting um, drugs over there, which that in itself is a freaking joke because there's not electricity in many areas and these drugs have to stay refrigerated. So the whole thing is a total shit show from the get-go. Back in 2000, they should have created, if they were really going to do this right, they would have created the structure and foundation for this operation first but they never did and they still haven't and they're still shelling out million, millions to make this supply chain work better mm. it's a joke yeah and you you think that there's a lot of money laundering there's a lot of kickbacks of yeah and then you got geets with bloomberg and and uh his other buddies in their breakthrough energy trying to put in 20 billion dollars and get funding from government for for energy causes while they're going around to the Caribbean islands and putting up solar farms. Okay. But you can't bring electricity to Africa where you're bringing all these drugs to allegedly save lives. Hmm. The only one doing that's Icon. The musician. Is who? He's a musician. His name's Icon. And he, um, <laughs> yeah. He, well, he, he's a rapper. He's, and he's, he spent majority of his wealth that he's made from rapping to bring electricity to, I, don't, I forgot what exactly. African country it is, but um, that's he's awesome. Than, yeah, he's done more than like half of them, all of them. I'll I'll, I'll drop you the link. The story is a couple of years old, but he he's done more than half these people. Yeah. Oh, no yeah. doubt. I'm sure they okay. just want to make money off of them. They they have no intentions of helping over there. Let's get her. You know, Gates and oh, Rockefellers. I yeah, that's whew, that's all in my two hour video too, but they set up their agriculture and their GMOs and their little smallholder farms and, and the Clintons and this and that as though they're helping people. No, no, it's all about money. Listen, everything Gates does, 95% of everything Gates does is a return on his investment. And I show the money. I show you all the money. I traced it all. I connected it, how the big farm is involved there how um, his investments, his stocks, the universities, how everyone's involved because it is uh, this whole stronghold, this control of running all of the major industries. It, it needs to stop, especially when it comes to healthcare and the, and the vaccines. Right. And it just seems like, like you said, it's 90% a return on their investment. They're all in it for money. And the 10% is depopulation and eugenics. Yeah. I was just going to say, we know they're in it for other reasons too. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, the money, the, he's the revolving, the revolving bank right from his trust 
his foundation trust, which is a nonprofit, into his foundation, which is a nonprofit, into his other three foundations, organizations that are nonprofits. And then we'll give some to our friends who have NGOs and we'll all just keep circling the money around and eventually some of it will make it to Africa. But you know, they're going to give us our slice. They'll take their slice. It'll all be good. And when the watered down drugs arrive or the expired drugs arrive, eh, we'll blame it on them. And we'll just keep the cycle going. Bastards. Mm. Rap bastards, I tell you. So my next chapter, though, is Gavi, which is the last one I'm covering on, on Gates. And then I'm moving on to Pepfar and the Clintons. And we've still got, what, another 15 chapters to go or something like that? Uh, 20 plus. Oh, Jesus. 20 plus. Yeah. Well, we're going to be talking about this for the next two years. <laughs> no, I'll get them all out this year. It'll all, it'll all come out this year, but it'll end up being like a thousand page book by the time I'm done. I can't wait to read the one on the Clintons. <laughs> you, 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 need to, you need to make this a hard copy too, correct? Do you be- know what a nightmare it would be to create that bibliography? Because I've thought about that. And I mean, I'm a graphic artist, so I could certainly do the layout. I could do the whole shebang and the book cover design and all of it. I'll do I'd that like, for you. Oh my God, I'd have to go into all of these links and create an entire bibliography with the little numbers next to all the little signs. You guys know how many links I have in my reports. Mm. It would just, it would be a big process and I love, a, I love a little hardcover to put on the shelf yeah i know i've had a lot of people ask me that so who knows maybe 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 i will when i get done with this or maybe i can like get someone else to extract it all and create the bibliography for me because i don't have time and i would like a signed copy (laughs) you're funny (laughs) do they even print a thousand page books that's pretty big (laughs) first first edition signed send it oh and when i say a thousand pages i'm talking single spaced eight and a half by 11 with like a one inch margin so i don't know might be more like 1500 pages game of thrones is pretty big yeah it was 700 pages so not quite but still a lot well that's pretty hefty Mm, i still want to sign copy i don't care if you make one just for me (laughs) (laughs) you're funny well i may end up doing like a couple volumes where i put all of my reports in i don't know we'll see it's it's a lot of work as of right now though i have a lot of the longer reports available in my bookshop for in pdf format so well we, we can talk about that when i get over there which hopefully will be this year yay hopefully Got a lot of things to organize here first and then we can go drive around and do some recon yeah, yeah let's do it can i come in as some sort of an immigrant should i should i fly into mexico and then try to get in there yeah what's the easiest way for me to get some sort of american citizenship i don't know <laughs> i mean i'm I'm tanned i should get away with it. i've never i've never actually known anyone i don't think that's like personally known anyone where i've I'm, talked I'm, about you know the whole process yeah i'm joking by the way i'm not gonna find i know person. i know but now i'm thinking about it <laughs> how, how, how much is the how much of the wall is built tunnel yeah. your way through tunnel my way through oh there's probably already accessible tunnels there so probably i'm kidding that's terrible (laughs) we're joking people that's a decent podcast you guys ready to wrap it up i think yeah let's do it all right well thanks for listening to us here on dig it with the speaker myself the sharp edge and Corey lynn of Corey's digs Please be sure to share this podcast. We're now on Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and of course, YouTube. We'll see you back next time.
right here on Dig It. Doubt it. 